everyone. This is episode 728 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, July 10th, 2020. I am your host, Mark Cruzanez, and today I'll be talking about NASCAR Heat 5, CrossCode, Superliminal, and Super Soccer Blast. I hate the, the title Superliminal because every time I see it, my brain just goes straight to Subliminal and it drives me nuts. I just want to call it Subliminal, but it's not. I even Googled earlier today, Subliminal Game, and it was like, do you mean Superliminal? And I'm like, ha, ha. yeah, I do. Anyway, I'm just going to get right to what I've been playing, then I'll touch upon maybe some movies and news after that. So, NASCAR Heat 5 is interesting. It's interesting because it plays well, looks good. I enjoyed the career mode, but the problem is, and I've only put a few hours into it, and it's been a while since I've played NASCAR Heat 4, but for the life of me, I can't tell the difference. I'm sure there are differences, and maybe some are more obvious than I realize, but it just feels an awful lot like NASCAR Heat 4. An awful lot. And that is to say... If you have NASCAR Heat 4, I mean, maybe it's similar. I'm not someone who follows NASCAR in real life, so I can't comment on changes in cars, the addition of cars, potential drivers. There could be some new drivers that have been added. I have no idea. And some stuff like that. So essentially roster additions, change-ups, maybe? But... It seems like the foundation is pretty much the same. The career seems very much so exactly the same with the same person talking to you and setting everything up and starting things out the same way. And I can't really tell what's different. So unless you're just a diehard who wants a few changes, and again, there could be bigger changes. Maybe there are. Maybe there are more changes. And you already have NASCAR Heat 4. I Don't see much reason to upgrade right now. When it goes on sale, sure. But having played a little bit of it, like I said, it just feels like the same game with maybe some changes. I honestly can't tell you what's different, even small things, because it just felt like I was playing NASCAR Heat 4 again. (laughs) So that was a bit disappointing because I really liked NASCAR Heat 4. It was... The first one I played since two, I skipped one of them. And those two may have also, like, there may have been little progress made in this series since the second one or so. I'm not sure. But I really like NASCAR Heat 4. I thought the visual improvement was noticeable from the last time I played a NASCAR Heat game. But here, it's just like, I don't really notice anything. So... Again, unless you are super into NASCAR and you know that NASCAR Heat 5 has some differences that you care about, I think you're better off waiting. Then, CrossCode is a retro game inspired by 16-bit RPGs. And it, it plays in real-time action RPG. You can both attack with melee weapons or control it like a twin-stick shooter, which is nice. It feels pretty good. There are a lot of puzzles that involve 
ricocheting shots in order to activate doors or activate switches that will then elevate platforms and stuff like that, which are fun. I enjoy the puzzles in the game. It does take a while to get going. The tutorial is very stretched out. I felt like I was in the tutorial for the first two plus hours. There's a lot of talking. The story is okay. It wasn't grabbing me that much. It's a very standard type of story and does it's inspired very much so by a lot of isekai type of series which if you don't know that term from anime and manga and all that it's being thrown into another world so it's like sword art online re-zero log horizon uh, where you are a person in our world and then you're magically transported to another world and it's usually full of RPG stats and stuff like that, and you have abilities and blah, 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 blah. And that is the setup for this. You start off and you know who you are, but then crap happens. You forget your identity, everything about yourself. You can't even speak. You initially can only say one word, and then you get a second word, but you still can't really communicate, which is a little frustrating when talking to people because you can't have a conversation with them. They just talk at you because what are you going to say? Your first two words are hi and your name, which I think is Leia. And it is in a world that is like an MMO. And it's on an island where you have avatars. And I guess they're real life physical avatars in the same way as like the, I think it's a comic and it was also a movie surrogates with Bruce Willis. So you have these physical avatars and you all partake in traditional RPG MMO type stuff on this one island and yeah it it looks really good I love the visuals both in gameplay and the character art during dialogue and stuff like that I think it really looks great but the story isn't grabbing me all that much you're trying to figure out who you are I guess and the whole MMO type of setup is fine. Playing a single player MMO essentially. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, there, there's just something about it that isn't clicking with me completely. I do enjoy playing it and going through these dungeons. But I'm not overly fond of the combat. While it feels good, the enemies I'm facing off, at least so far, haven't been all that exciting. They're really easy to deal with. The boss fights I've partaken in aren't super memorable. So it's it's well put together, but it's just it's lacking anything that makes it particularly memorable so far. Maybe some crazy shit will happen with the story. Maybe the gameplay will get extra interesting, but yeah. I'm I, I think it's a decent game. It just isn't doing anything to say, hey. You should be playing me right now or making me want to play it when I'm not playing it. When I'm playing it, I'm like, this is fine. And then when I'm off playing something else, I'm like, okay, I could get back to CrossCode or I could not. doesn't really matter to me. I will say it does have some nice accessibility options to make it an easier experience. You can put in the option to skip puzzles, which is nice because if you don't want to or you find the, the puzzles difficult, you can just skip them. Though... 
I found the puzzles to be the most engaging part of the game and the most fun I had with it because, like I said, the comment is just whatever. And when I was dealing with puzzles, it was at least somewhat interesting. And you can change the, not, not the difficulty, but how much damage you take from enemies, how long certain things will be in effect. Like if you hit a switch and there's a timer for you to hit another switch, you can make it so there's more time for you to hit the second switch and stuff like that. So there are some decent accessibility options in there, which is nice. But yeah, it's okay. If, if these types of games do appeal to you, it's worth checking out. I think it's really well put together and it could really grab you. The story might be right up your alley. And the only thing I'll say again is that it has a very, very slow start. At least two hours until you get freedom to just go off and take on quests and do stuff like that. There's, there's this one dude I found in this wild area or whatever who had some quests for me or i thought he just had one quest for me and i was like yeah i'll, I'll help you out and then he was just like okay here's this quest and this one and this one that he gave me like six quests right in a row and it was pretty ridiculous but uh yeah that is crossroad and i, I got a code for that i got a code for all these games but i was asked to mention that if you are into these types of games and you like getting them physically if you like in the physical copy of a game they do have physical box versions which you can pre-order right now from crosscode.inin.games so if you want to get physical with crosscode you can do that but maybe you should play the game first so download it on your platform of choice check it out and if you like it then you can get a box copy of it that's always nice you know what sucks there aren't any box copies of it for xbox one I hate that. Don't you hate that too? But that's just the way it works. All these places, limited run games, etc. They never have Xbox One versions because I guess you have to print more copies for Xbox and there's no way of getting around that. I don't know. I feel like Xbox would be open to changing the rules for these types of situations, but I guess they're not, which is disappointing because while I wouldn't get a lot of games that way, I would like the option to be available. I know that I think it was limited run games did N plus plus. And if I could have gotten that physically for the Xbox one, I would have, that's a game that I would have loved to have owned physically for my platform of choice, but that wasn't an option. I think the only one that does it, but they're with games that do get major retail releases in standard versions, but they have like special editions is signature edition but I don't think they're exactly the same. Like I said, I think they do wider releases as well and then have their limited special editions. So yeah, that's the only one that I know of that does Xbox versions because they did Streets of Rage 4, which had an Xbox One physical release as well. But again, that is CrossCode and you can get it physically at the URL I mentioned earlier. There's a retail edition, a steelbook edition. What, a retail edition? Does that mean there's a wider release and it's not on Xbox? You mothers. Uh, and then there's a collector's edition, which comes with a bunch of crap. But what I always like to see in special editions is a soundtrack. And you get the original two-disc soundtrack, which I like. I, I am always a sucker for anything that comes with a soundtrack because I like music. Music is good. Uh, the music in CrossCode, not too bad. So that is CrossCode one last time. Then Superliminal 
which is a very subliminal game. No, it's not. It's it's super liminal, and it's a first-person puzzle game, reminiscent of Portal, Stanley Parable, what have you, all those types of games, Cube, etc., the Quantum Conundrum, where you are messing around with perspective and positioning as well later on in the game. And it's it's not a very long puzzle game. And while I think it is really cool and interesting conceptually, in practice, it's surprisingly boring. I played it for an hour or so, which I think might be about halfway through the game. And I was not so bored that I was finding it hard to stay awake, which has been the case with games in the past. I have played games that have put me to sleep almost but it it just didn't do anything for me and i think the reason is because while the concept is interesting and I'll, I'll talk about that first the way a lot of the puzzles work is that you'll be in a room and there'll be a door that you have to get to and the way you can get to the door is by manipulating these objects and the way you do is by picking them up and then moving them around the environment to change their size so you can have a can of coke it's not actually coke because they don't have the license for coke obviously and you can pick it up and then put it or or look up into the top of the room at the ceiling let it fall and it will increase in size and you can keep doing this and then it'll keep getting bigger and then you could use this as a platform you can use multiple objects to make a staircase essentially and it's interesting i I like this idea of playing with perspective and the size of objects but so many puzzles just play out the same way in that okay there's a door it's a little bit higher than where i can reach it so i have to take this object and make it bigger so that i can jump on top of it and then jump towards the door and get out of this room and then you just end up taking that object putting it towards the ceiling letting it fall picking up again putting it towards the ceiling again, letting it fall and just doing that until it's big enough so that you can still jump on top of it and then you can jump on top of the other platform. Sometimes there'll be multiple objects involved and there are times later on where you have to align the room in a specific way so that an object will be tangible. Like there'll be painting on the walls and on some objects in the room, maybe the floor, and then you have to position it so that the pieces of this blotchy mess come together to form an object that you can then grab and use to leave a room. Think of them like the Riddler challenges in the Arkham games. And those are fine too, but the the problem with the game is that the puzzles aren't all that interesting. The, the puzzles aren't well-designed. They don't give you a lot of freedom in what you can do and how you can solve them. And it just feels very samey and repetitive quicker than I was expecting. I I thought maybe I would have more freedom to try doing this or do that and that it would really spice things up or change the formula rapidly, but it is just the same thing over and over and over again. And after you get through the initial section of like 12 puzzles, that is basically your tutorial, your introduction to the game. You find these cassette players that will give you little bits of story that are supposed to be cheeky and they're fine they're not bad or anything and they're mildly funny but it just nothing in the game was doing enough to keep me invested in it and wanting to 
played, even though it's an incredibly short puzzle game from what I've heard. I will finish it probably at some point, but I'm not overly excited about doing that. And then Super Soccer Blast is a soccer game uh, with a cartoony aesthetic. And I really didn't like it. I played on medium difficulty. And holy shit, the AI is a bunch of snipers. They are just able to shoot the ball perfectly and hit the corner of the net with 100% accuracy if they're in a certain space. And that was frustrating because I just felt like, okay, I'm getting in range and I keep missing and the AI is just destroying me. My goalie sucks or the AI is incredible. And the auto switching didn't feel right. It felt like it kept switching me to characters who weren't near the ball and then I would switch to them manually and then would switch me away and that was really frustrating. It seems like there's a weird delay when I'm trying to pass it that led to me losing the ball a lot. It just, it wasn't a fun experience. Of all the soccer games I've played recently, and I've played quite a few and, and some that are on the smaller scale of things, it was the least fun I've had by far. When I started losing five plus to zero, I was like, Jesus, I don't want to drop it to easy because I feel like medium, I should at least be able to do something. But yeah, it was, it was a pretty big bummer because I was excited about it. I, I like the look of it. It doesn't look too bad. There's some fun character creation in it that you can mess around with. But actually playing it just wasn't any fun whatsoever. But uh, yeah, that's all that I've been playing in terms of news, we have the Xbox event and a date for July 23rd, which is exciting. And there have been some rumblings that it's going to be a really good show. And hopefully that is the case because I would like to see them follow PlayStation's event with something that has more than just a few games that are Avengers and, and some surprises and not just some surprises, but a lot of surprises. I, I would like to see a lot of surprises. We know we're getting Halo. We're probably getting that rare game whatever it's called everwild or something and i would assume we're getting the new forza motorsport game it would be crazy if we didn't get a motorsport game for launch especially since we didn't get one last year of any kind and i would be really surprised if we don't see fable i'm hoping to god that perfect dark is not a real thing because i don't give a shit about that franchise i don't think the original game is all that great and Perfect Dark Zero was not good, so I don't understand why people are that into that series. I don't see what the love there is for. But yeah, I'm hoping to see some surprises. I guess there will be third parties there. And then we have the Ubisoft event this Sunday, I think, which I'm mildly curious about. I, I'm not all that... It's not that I'm not excited about Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but I'm not that interested in seeing anything about it over other games. I, I'm way more interested in Watch Dogs Legion. And then I'm just always curious about Skull and Bones because I refuse to believe that's a real game until it actually comes out. Then there's Beyond Good and Evil 2. Will we see any? Like, there are these games that have been in development for a long time that have been announced and shown at times and then haven't been shown for a while and it's just like where are they what are they at this point 
are they still coming out? Do they still exist? And I'm more curious about those. And I think what Ubisoft could do to blow my mind and just destroy both the PlayStation and Xbox events, maybe, is just announce a new Splinter Cell game. I love the Splinter Cell games so much. And I want a new one with a return of Spies vs. Mercs because that is one of, if not my all-time favorite, online multiplayer modes. I love that so much. And I would love to see that return. I should really go back and play Blacklist at some point. But uh, yeah, that's really it. So before I go and bid y'all adieu, I want to talk some movies with y'all. Basically, I have been, for maybe like the last month, watching a bunch of romantic comedies. And I don't know why. I just watched one randomly. And then I'm like... I'm just going to keep watching more of these and see how I feel about them. Do I still like all these romantic comedies? And I found out that no, I don't. I'm still a hopeless romantic at heart. And I love romance as a genre more than any other genre. But I'm finding that I'm not as forgiving with romantic comedies. And there are certain actors who are becoming problematic for me. One, Ashton Kutcher. I really don't like him as an actor. I rewatched A Lot Like Love and No Strings Attached, and I did not like either of them. And it's because of him. I think he is a bad actor, and even if he was a bad actor, he can make up for it with charm and charisma, but I don't think he has any charm or charisma. So he just, when playing off his other half in these movies, Natalie Portman in No Strings Attached and Amanda Peet in A Lot Like Love, he just cannot hold his own at all especially in A Lot Like Love. I really like Amanda Peet ever since The Whole Nine Yards, and yeah, he just cannot compete with her at all. And it's so noticeable, the difference in their ability, and he just, he does not come across as natural. And I was just, it's disappointing because I think there could be something good in that movie, but Ashton Kutcher ruins it. And then No Strings Attached, I don't really like anything about it, I'm realizing. And it also has the unfortunate task of being compared to a very similar movie from that year or right around that time called Friends with Benefits with Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis, which is actually pretty good. I rewatched that and I still like that quite a bit because they have good chemistry. They are good by themselves and with their friends and then they play off each other very well. And then I just recently watched some Meg Ryan movies. First, Kate and Leopold, which is fantastic as a vehicle for showing us how good Hugh Jackman is, but Meg Ryan is in no way believable at any point in the movie, and she just ruins the whole thing. I like the movie conceptually because, well, I mean, conceptually it's whatever, but just Hugh Jackman knocks it out of the park as this man out of time. And I even like some of the side characters, like Leif Shriver as his descendant who brings him back to the current times with him. But Meg Ryan is just terrible in it. And part of it is the writing. She goes from not liking him at all, and then they have like this weekend, and she loves him, essentially. And then he's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it doesn't work. I don't buy them at all. I don't see why he likes her. And then when Harry met Sally, I started watching. I haven't finished it. I got 20 minutes left, but I don't like it either. And again, I don't, I don't buy their 
relationship. I don't see why he likes her. And watching it, I like the little interstitials with, I think they're real couples, or they're maybe just actors telling stories. But I like those bits. However, I find that there are just pieces of the writing that don't work for me that are trying too hard to be funny or memorable and scenes that are just like skits from a Saturday Night Live or, or, or the like. Like the, the whole thing with her orgasming in the restaurant. Funny doesn't make any sense at all. I don't buy her character doing that and I just have a hard time seeing anyone doing that ever. That, like that is incredibly embarrassing to do. Like if I was there, if I was him and she started doing that, I would just fucking walk out and be like, you're good. I'm, I'm out of here. You fucking psychopath. And there's a line where Billy Crystal is talking about having sex with a woman and making her meow. And they're just going back and forth with his friend. It's like, you, you made a girl meow. You made a woman meow. Yeah, I made her meow. And I, you see, I could talk about I could talk about this with Meg Ryan because we're just friends. And I made her meow, 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 meow. And I'm like, what? This is just silly nonsense. So, yeah. Got some more of those to watch. I feel like I'm just going to watch every Meg Ryan thing now to see how I feel. And, yeah. I also watched a few Sandra Bullock movies, which I still like despite her. I'm not the biggest fan of her either, but I think she's been in some movies that are are made better because of the supporting cast and the person playing off of her, like The Proposal, which I don't think she's the best in. She's definitely the weakest part. And part of it is just her character being this stiff, ornery person. But when you see her in scenes with Ryan Reynolds... He is pulling so much of the weight and doing so much of the work. It's crazy how much he makes it an enjoyable and watchable movie. And then while you were sleeping, she's fine in it. She's inoffensive. But I like it because of the supporting cast. And I don't, I don't really think a lot of people remember while you were sleeping. But then there, there have been ones I've watched, rewatched, that surprised me with how much I liked them and that I liked them even more than I thought I did. Like Man Up which is a somewhat recent one with Lake Bell and Simon Pegg. And I really like that. It's where Lake Bell accidentally fakes being his date, Simon Pegg's date. Not, it's not like she was doing it on purpose. She just had this book and he thought she was his date and she didn't correct him after a certain point. She was like, hey, this is kind of going well. I'll, I'll get to it eventually. But uh, yeah, I think in part why I like that, and this just makes sense for all these types of movies, is that I like Simon Pegg and I like Lake Bell. So if I like the two characters or the two actors, then there's a good chance that I can like the movie even if it has issues. And Man Up has one issue in this weird, creepy former classmate of Lake Bell who is just fucking weird. But yeah, I think my favorite romantic comedy is still definitely maybe with Ryan Reynolds, which is just absolutely wonderful. Makes me cry multiple times during it i love it so much so yeah enough movie talk enough rom-com talk that will do it for this episode of the pixelated sausage podcast once again i am your host marcus ness y'all can find me on 
Twitter, and pretty much everywhere at PX Sauces. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, which is all about me attacking my backlog. We just had a brand new episode up last week for Mini Ninjas, and I highly recommend checking that out. It's a fun little episode for a game that people probably don't remember. And then you can also check out On Amazingly Baka, which is the anime podcast I do with my good friend, Justin, and all of them are available on podcast services across the globe. And you can also check out the art I make on the site. And if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.